Welcome to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. Uh, I'm here with my brother, my, my friend, brother. my cousin, <laughs> Cole Harris, and uh, I'm Braden Harris, and um, we're excited for another day to get to speak about Jesus. So, Another day, another podcast. That's just how it is. I, uh, one of the cool things I've been, uh, that has been happening lately with me and Cole is, um, you know, I would say that we've gotten to have those um, conversations one to one, you know, like we had that inspired this podcast lately. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gotten to have a few of those just uh, working out our um, our daily life um, because I feel like, uh, you know, you can easily get because we're basically business partners with this whole podcast and, you know, it's cool to um you know, talk about what's important. And I feel like that's uh, something we've been able to do a lot a lot more lately. So that's been really good. No, yeah, like I said that, we started off this podcast, bro. I mean, before we started the podcast, talking hour and a half, man. Those were the days. Man, God, man, guess what I read in Genesis? Guess what I read in Matthew 8, whatever. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, we a lot of our conversations revolve around, hey, like, what are we doing? Let's um, planning and stuff like that. But lately, we've had some really good conversations, which is, I mean, it's refreshing, bro. It's it's just because uh, um, I think there's a balance between, you know, God calls us to labor. We are called to, um, um, you know, like in, Thess- in Thessalonica, you know, Thessalonians, Paul um, was getting on to the, the members of this town, this city for not working, not laboring. So there's there's a part, an aspect of laboring, giving all you have and um but there's also another part of it where you are still in a relationship with God. You start, you are still in relationship with other people. So it's just a balance you got to keep, which it's, uh, I definitely, I do think we're definitely growing in that. Absolutely. Um, you know, Absolutely. hustling and hustling and just, you know, still keeping those same morals we, we started with, bro. So that's awesome. But Absolutely. dude, today, everybody, we're kicking off a new series. Uh, called the commands of christ this is a, a series me and Braden kind of got introduced to or i got introduced to at uh central uh central college ministry in college station texas and Braden came down and you know learned a little bit about it too but it's basically 12 commands and foundational truths of the church right so if you picture church planning most of the time you'll picture like you got to be a theologian you got to be some pastor with this this uh, level of validity uh, certification to go over to these countries and start planting churches. But really, a lot of the Bible studies you're doing in your house by biblical definition are already churches, right? Yeah. We we think of churches by like being these huge buildings and these huge establishments and these organizations. But what the Bible says is, is, a, is a church is, I mean, Braden, I would say what you're doing is a church by the biblical definition with your Bible study. Absolutely. No, I think a hundred percent. I think, um, you know, you see, um, you see when Paul writes in all of his letters, he addresses these, each certain people group as the church for that place. Um, it wasn't as much a gathering place as much, as much as it was those people, um, being called the church. Hey, like, you know, I'm writing this to the church in you know, Corinth, blah, blah, blah. Um, so you just see where, you know, the heart is the church, you know, we're the temple, you know, where us as the people, um, the Christians are the church. So mm-hmm. 
No, definitely. Uh, the thesis statement of this 12-week series is this is a 12-week series set for new believers that covers what the early church did in Acts 2, 36-47 by looking at the Gospels in the Acts of Jesus and highlighting the commands of Christ from the Gospels. So that's the thesis statement. And basically... This, like, if you are a new believer or an advanced believer, this series will equip you to better understand the gospel in your own walk. When we are evangelizing on campus to just people who don't know the gospel, we walk them through the commands of Christ. This is uh, tools. Um, I I use this to this day to disciple another person, right? But if you are already an existing believer, this series can still benefit you because you can learn how to disciple other people through this. So there's really... Um, I, I think this is going to be an awesome 12-week series that me and Brayden are doing because it really benefits everybody and we're walking through foundational truths. So I'm excited, bro. Absolutely. I'm 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 ready to learn myself. So <laughs> no uh, facts. So you you turn to Mark 1 and I'll turn to Luke 19. All right. So a lot of this, just some just some disclaimers. This is gonna be more like scriptural analysis and like um I wouldn't call it a Bible study because this is a podcast, obviously, but uh, we're going to be doing a lot of scripture reading, a lot of question and answering in specific topics. So uh, if y'all have y'all's Bibles, open up with me or open up a brain to Mark one fifteen. So in Mark one fifteen, it says, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen, brother. So, the basis of this series is we're going to look each week at, each week at a command that Jesus said, and then we're going to look at a story to illustrate this. And to most of the time, it's going to be a parable or something Jesus is saying to like flesh it out, flesh this command out. Um, so the story that was a command. Brayden, read it again one more time. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Episode one of the series, Repent and Believe, baby. So the story we're looking at is Jesus and Zacchaeus. And Brayden, you can turn there because we can. uh, I really want to have a little conversation about it after I read it. But I'm going to read Luke 19, 1 through 10. Um, So it starts off, he entered Jericho, and which was Jesus, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You, What I, I see from kind of the beginning here is just the fact that... Um, he was really eager to hear about Christ. And then um, whenever he turns, I think it's important to note um, that 
his his giving half was his showing of repentance. He was showing mm-hmm. he was showing everybody, hey, I am repenting. And um that doesn't necessarily mean for all of us that we have to give half of our things, but you have to think for him being a chief tax collector, he probably worshiped money in a wrong way. And so whenever he was repenting, he realized how much of his love for money and how much of his greed taking money from all the Jews, because it was really messed up what they were doing, right? Well, that is showing his repentance and showing that he he values God way more than this money that he's mm-hmm. uh, he's worshipped for so long. Yeah, and I like just in verse two, like there's so like there's so many things in these ten verses, but it says he was a chief tax collector. It wasn't just a tax collector. Like Matthew was just a tax collector. The, the disciple Matthew. This dude was a chief tax collector. So this man was in charge. Like he had a level of authority. Um, so that, I think there's a lot of, I kind of want to focus what we learned about this man, right? So this man was a chief tax collector um, and he was seeking out who Jesus was. Um, and then you look and then you see, like are you talking about the repentance part, Brayden? This man said he has gone I'm sorry, the next one. Behold, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So I think we can answer the kind of the first question of like, what does repentance mean? This man was a chief tax collector. He was oppressing people for money. He was stealing people's money, right? Then he meets Jesus. He has an encounter with Jesus. And then he says, behold, I have to... Lord, I will give half of my goods to the poor. And then if that is not enough, it's not this idea of there's a certain thing you got to do. It's a, it's a mindset of you're giving everything to the Lord. Because then he says, if I have defrauded anyone of everything, if that's not enough, Jesus, I will even restore it fourfold. I will give it even more if that's what you want. It's this idea of um, pursuing holiness. It's not like a degree, like you meet the standard, you don't, you don't lie five times or whatever. You don't lie a certain amount of times. You don't cheat. No, it's just the idea of humbleness. I think one of your reels, Brayden, you said it's about being contrite and broken in spirit. That scripture, I mean, that reel you had. Yes, absolutely. And, um, yeah, God's been showing me so much in that and um, how much just Jesus really values that humble, humble heart and um, a willingness. Uh, I just think that that is... Um, the biggest key in repentance is a willingness, a readiness to repent and a readiness to drop anything that you feel like is getting in the way of your relationship with God. That's what Zacchaeus is saying here. Like, mm-hmm. if there's anything more I need here, then I'll do it. You know, I don't want anything to get in my in the way of how I walk with you. Yeah. So I, I like how we just, I mean, we know who Zacchaeus is, right? Now let's. I mean, Brayden, what do you see about God here? Jesus, God in the flesh. What characteristics do you see just from this passage, bro? Oh, my back, dude. Just the fact that, uh, well, there, there's actually something else about this that's very interesting. So, and I heard this in a sermon. This didn't come from me. But <laughs> he uh, he's actually, think about, this is a very short time before Jesus is getting crucified, and Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus knows this is time is nearing, and he takes the time. He 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 takes the time to go and spend time with this guy, and actually gets hated on for like what? Look at him, he's a sinner. 
that's Jesus values each soul very like he he values he wants people to come to him so much and he he cares for people and he he went and he cared for Zacchaeus even knowing very soon he was about to um be taken up into heaven or you know go through all of the torture yeah. in a very short time um so i think that's a, shows a big characteristic of how how Jesus was and how he approached Zacchaeus um even though he you know he for us we could think oh our lives are too busy our lives are too this and then we miss out on getting to help someone and uh and just show them you know the love of god so um no oh, yeah i mean i i kind of like the the process of salvation that jesus describes here right so if we look at it was a process of jesus i mean uh zacchaeus in the tree jesus said hey come down i'm gonna stay at your house tonight then in verse six zacchaeus says so he hurried down and received him joyfully zacchaeus received him joyfully i think that's kind of a picture of like salvation like we have this encounter with jesus right yeah absolutely and then in verse seven i mean i mean that's when they grumble or whatever but then uh in verse 8, this is where Zacchaeus repents. He says, okay, I had my encounter with Jesus. I received Jesus joyfully. Now I'm repenting. And then after the repentance, it says in verse 9, and then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. So repentance plays a role in our salvation, right? Because if you truly, it's Jesus says here, after he repented after he had that broken and contrite heart that salvation came if you look at acts 2 36 through 47 the the passage we're marrying for this whole 12 weeks it says repent and believe repentance is a plays a role in your salvation you can't just sit there and receive like zacchaeus could have just sat there and received him joyfully and then went on and kept oppressing people but i mean this repentance is a role plays a factor plays a role and what it is is if you truly by definition if you truly love jesus then you will repent right repentance doesn't save us repentance is evidence that we truly received him joyfully because if zacchaeus truly did not receive jesus joyfully maybe he was joyful like he was faking it he was like yeah 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 but on the inside it's like who is this guy right then he wouldn't have repented but Repentance is evidence, fruit that, man, that person really does love Jesus. Absolutely. And I like the, um, you know, how it illustrates the role in which it was played. Um, uh, the first thing that really happens, you know, um, between their really their, I guess their kind of relationship is um, Jesus tells Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I, I want to stay at your house. Well, um, I think that just kind of uh, shows us how, uh, you know, it talks about in other scriptures we love because he first loved us. Um, mm -hmm. he, he, he loved him first. Um, and then that allows us to come into this love and joy. And then that turns us into repentance um, out of his first love for us. Um, mm -hmm. So it, I, I just I, like you said, I really love the way this illustrates how. Um, First off, how Jesus approaches him, how how Jesus is there first, 
he realizes, takes it joyfully, and then he's like, I, you know, whoa, I got to do anything for, you know, to, for him. I'm, I'm willing to do anything for Jesus. I'm willing to do anything in turn from anything for Jesus. So I like, like, let's not act like we're not the people in verse seven. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in the house. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Let's not act like that's not who me, like we naturally are in our flesh. That, that's us. Man, Absolutely. like, what is he doing? Right? What is, I mean, Jesus is with him. I mean, he's really a Christian. I know what he's done. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I know I know his past. Man, that's that's who we are. That's our natural. So we, a lot of times when we read the Bible, we put ourselves in uh, the position of, like, the main character. But how we're supposed to read it is, like, we are the secondary character and Jesus is the main character. And we are... We can either be Zacchaeus or we can be the people who grumbled. You can't be Jesus though. You can, you're only, there's only two options here. So you best pick which one you want to be (laughs) real carefully. It's funny because, um, because I, you know, like you said, we, we do that so much. We're like, like we hold on to what someone was. I feel like people really thought that they were warning Jesus about someone as if Uh he didn't, as if he didn't know. Like, oh, Jesus, I don't know if you've been around here much, but this guy's pretty messed up. You know, I don't know mm. if you want to save him. And it's like, Jesus is like, that's who I came for. Like, it's my whole point. I want to say I want I want people to be saved. You know, I want them to come to me, you know. Um, so it just shows us that our natural ways aren't right, are not correct. The way we we view people, we need to we need to view people with the way that that Jesus looked at people. Um, you know, we can try, obviously we, we, we look so often like those people that are like, Jesus, what are you doing? You know? And it's like, who are we to say like what, what God should or shouldn't be doing? You know what I mean? Like, like, like we know better than God. Exactly. You know, and you see how, um, there's people that they'll be getting involved in a church or something and people are like, Oh, I don't know if you know about what he's been doing, what he's done before. And it's like, you know, who God chooses um, to help, that is completely up to God. And um, and he's there for, for, he came to save all the people. So. I've seen, also you can do the perspective like, like I see a lot of people who, and I used to be this person, but that person's been through a lot. That person had the drug addiction. That person went through that hard time, you know, had death in the family. Now they need religion. That's, you know, now that's why they're going to Jesus, right? Because this religion idea is just some, you know, for the weak, for the lowly, right? Which is true. It is for the weak, for the lowly. But like, you can see that perspective of like, just this judgment in verse seven. There's so many ways this fleshes out. Like you can, you can go on for days and days about different Uh, examples of it. Um, but we are naturally the people in verse seven in our flesh. They all grumbled. He's gone in the house of the guest. He's the guest of a man who's a sinner. That's who we are. So now we're going to kind of go into a little bit of a question, question, answer section. Um, our first question is, um, what does repent mean? Repent means turning from sin and following Jesus by definition, by definition, a lot of people, I've had a lot of people I talk to, um, that 
they actually majority of people who aren't Christians say repenting is confessing. They just say, yeah, I confess. I went, and especially Catholics, they're like, yeah, like I went to confession. I did my, you know, my sacraments, whatever, but repentance by definition is not just confession. That's the first 50, that's the first 50%. It says in first John somewhere, um, if he is faithful to forgive us if we confess. So like there is an, like a, a, a part of like, we are to confess. And I, I watched a sermon on Paul Washer. He described this better than I can. But when you confess something like you don't say, Lord, I, I messed up, Lord. No, if I lied, Lord, I lied. The word in Greek, and it's in first John somewhere. I can't quote it directly, but it's you're confessing the same thing. So you are to confess, Lord, I lied my heart like you you repeat the same thing not just hey lord you know i messed up no no when you that's the that's the first 50 percent is actually confessing the sin but the second half is pursuing righteousness that's a lot of people leave out because confessing is easy everyone confesses yeah no exactly that um you know the the point of turning from your sin is so that you know, you can be saved from it so you can turn to righteousness and, and go forward in righteousness, not so you can continue to do it. I mean, by repenting, you are saying, <clears throat> I'm done with this. I don't want to do it anymore. Will you make mistakes? Yes. But it's the heart's motive. Do I quit? And I'm, am I going to attempt to be done with this? Is that in that moment when I say, God, I don't want I, like I repent. I'm sorry for blank 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 whatever i did i'm sorry for lying to my mom you know whatever you in that moment you are saying and then i'm saying like i want to i don't want to do this anymore i want to be more like you instead you know that is that's true repentance um and the the point of repentance you know you want to become more like christ and uh that's an unending battle but we want to really um try to grow in righteousness um, because that's where life is found. I like it. I mean, the, I tell this to everybody. This is my thing. I heard it somewhere, and I don't know. Maybe I made it up. I don't know if I heard it, but you're driving down the highway, and you're going the wrong direction. You don't just stop and pull over on the side of the road, and you're like, son of a buck, you know, I messed up. I mean, I'm going the wrong way, and you just sit on the side of the road. No, you turn around and you go the right direction. That's what repentance is. You turn around, you're going down highway hell, highway to hell, right? You're going down highway to hell and you turn around and get on highway Jesus, but you're driving, you're always driving one direction. You can't just stop because that's not realistic, you know? Now that picture I liked, uh, you know, I just thought of right now is like, I mean, we're hoopers, Brayden. All hoopers, every time you mess up, there's those people, ain't my fault. That's all bad. Me. That's all. That's all me, man. We know it's on you. Do better. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people just say, "Hey, my fault, my bad." But they never change. They just keep doing. Like, they take a bad shot. They're not really. They they don't care. They just say my bad because they want to. They want to feel better. But they're gonna take that same shot next time they come down. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the way I look at it. <laughs> and you're just like, dang, wow. You gotta be. That, yeah, we know that, that shows you how how um just how graceful God is though that we're like you know one moment we're like ready to take on the world with God and we're like yes and then the next minute we're sinning with that same mouth 
you know, and he's so graceful to see us over and over and doing that over and over, you know what I mean? And just mm -hmm. being like, you know, he, he, what he loves, though, is our our will to turn. You know, he really loves that whenever that is our will. That's our push is to turn. And he's he's always there with open arms, ready to um, ready to hold you and help you um, in your next attempt. So you can only lose Thanks. you can only lose by giving up so <laughs> what did katie say you only uh miss the shots you, you don't, don't take. take yeah what something like that yeah. but uh next next question what does believe mean and this this seems simple but when you look at it in the eyes of like what repentance means it changes the way you look at what believe means because if believing means repenting Man, believing don't don't seem so easy now. Believing don't seem as good of a deal, you know, because I have to give something up. You know, there's I gotta I gotta stop doing this sin. So do I really want to believe? You gotta count the cost. Um, but believing by definition means choosing to trust Jesus as Lord, and you believe that He died and rose again, and you put all your trust in Jesus. Absolutely, I love that, and I think. Sorry, you're gonna say something. Well, it's just kind of, I just another thing that's been speaking to me has just been really trying to tell, talk to Jesus, and when I speak to him, just telling him I trust him, I trust his plans, I trust what he's doing, and um, you know, there's a lot of peace found in, in, in giving things up to Jesus. Uh, he's a God of peace, mm -hmm. and the less that you hold on, and the less that you grab onto, and the more that you trust and and give to him. Um, you will live in a lot more peace and because you know the God of the universe has it in his hands. You know, whatever the fate of my life, I want to be in his hands. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, that's <clears throat> the most amazing outcome. It can't possibly, there's no other better outcome. It's just God's will. So what, what does believe mean? Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Wow. So. That's good. What we got next, Brayden? Why should we repent? Mm. So we're going to... I'll let you get this one. Go to Romans 3.23. You, you go there, I'll go to Romans 6. I actually have a great point on this. And well, go ahead. <laughs> So, I mean, read Romans 3.23 real quick while I go to Romans 6, but it kind of comes off of my religious communications class. You know, it's really, you really think in an academic setting, real philosophy, philosophical mindset. And I just, it, it made me think of this, but read Romans 3.23 real quick. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 says, for the, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the question is, why should we repent? And the answer to that is because all have sinned and fallen short of God. And because we have all fallen short and sinned, wages, wages implies like you get what you deserve. Like you work 40 hours, you get paid for 40 hours. Our wages of one sin is death, complete death, destruction. So that is why we repent. 
And the thought I had, which is like our society, and I've, t- I've been telling people this for the last two days because it hit me. I'm like, this is just too good. Like, you know how sometimes you think of something, you're like, wow, right? But uh, it was our society kind of seeks equality, especially now with political, political, right? Uh, Republican, Democrat, it's, it's crazy right now. But our society is pretty much solely divided politically on race, right? That still is the dividing factor about what justice is, what racial equality is. That's still dividing factor, just like it was in biblical times, right? But the Bible, which is crazy, actually gives us equality. This, This equality that every human, especially politicians, desire can't be made, can't be found, can't be implemented by government policies, can't be implemented by um, man-made methods because it's impossible to obtain. But the Bible actually gives us perfect equality because there is no white, black, brown, yellow. There is no you're rich, poor. There's no economic status, social status. It's There's one kind of person and it's sinner. And it's all have fallen short of God's glory. So all of us by our way by wages deserve death. If that's not the picture of equality, and that's what Jesus was trying to preach to everybody when he was on earth but no one got it, that's why they killed him, but he had to go to the cross. But we find equality. That that that's my that's my final thought. The Bible gives us this equality that our society seeks for so diligently, but they never find. That's good. Oh, I a hundred percent, hundred percent, and it puts us all on an even status. <laughs> Literally, once you realize that we've all sinned, and then it puts God above everyone else. Once you realize that He's never sinned, so, mm-hmm. um, and it it and also think- it also shows how we should treat people because if we all got what we deserved, then we'd be in big trouble, mm-hmm. but whenever we can accept the fact that we don't get what we deserve, then we can start giving people what they don't deserve in our own lives. So mm. we, can, we can treat them a lot better instead of, you know, being like, well, I did this and this and this, you owe me this. It's, no, you don't not at all. We we're God doesn't owe us anything. You know, he, we, if we don't deserve this. We owe him everything. You know what I mean? But we don't deserve this yet. He, he, still gives us grace and he still gives us these this peace and this love and compassion mm-hmm. um while we were yet sinners he died for us so he gave us these things while we were yet sinners so uh, uh yeah and number or oh this is yours number four. uh who who should repent yeah yeah that's what we're on who should repent yeah um this goes to acts 30 8 through 41 and just to remind two, everybody two, this yeah, is 38 through 41 what did i say 38 through 41 that didn't say the chapter <laughs> <laughs> yeah ch- chapter 38 through chapter 41 anyways this is the passage we're mirroring we're mirroring this whole series on 36 through 47 in every episode that we're gonna do you can find in these 11 verses right so in Acts 38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It clearly says 
I mean, you go back to 37, the people heard this, they realized they actually crucified the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And they said, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. So everyone has to repent. And that goes to Romans 3.23 too. Wow, that's so good. <clears throat> Is Yeah, I mean, which is kind of what we were just talking about, how since we're on an even ground, we all are called to repent. We've all sinned, so that's it's for everybody, obviously. Mm -hmm. so, and question number five is, what is the assurance? Like, what is assurance? And that goes to First John one nine. So I'll pull that up right now. If you already have it, you can. No, I don't. I'm going to John. Cool. Ten. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. That's really good. I've, and my I've thought when it, verse. When my thought when it comes when that comes to mind is like there's obviously things required of us. Like it's there's a free will aspect. Like we are to choose. We have to choose to follow Christ. We have to count the cost. We have to it seems like there's a lot on our plate like we're talking about repentance it seems like a heavy topic but ultimately i think that's why this question is at the end because yeah you have a, the, there's it, something it's a it's a it's heavy it's a heavy topic until you 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 give it up and then it's light you know you mm -hmm. you know come to me my you know my burden is light um there's rest in giving these things up that's that's really where your toil is coming from actually is your sin that's where yeah. you're Ugh, is coming from is actually your sin so there is heaviness in this and then whenever you give it up then it's so it's so light to give up your sin it's so light to to take on jesus's burden um and it's just a whole new world really you know your the scales fall off and you can you can see um so yes it is heavy until you give up you know um I, and I, I was gonna read this one uh, first John one eight, uh, go for it. The one before it, I like this. So it says, "If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." Mm -hmm. Um, so the you know that got, I think that goes back to question number whatever four whatever that we are you know we all sin. So it's all of our our duty to come to Him and and turn from our sin. Um, there's nothing. You know, nothing that separates any any individual human being. We all have sinned. We all need to come to him. And if you just push it under the rug, that doesn't make you less of a sinner. Like, oh, I just don't want to think about it. If you say you have no sin, then you are a liar and the truth is not in you. You not thinking about it, you pushing it under the rug, man, one day, one day I'll get I'll get to God. One day I'll be religious. That doesn't make you any less of a sinner than you are right now. And for me, it's like walking on eggshells, man. Like if I know I'm a sinner, but I don't want to do anything about it, I don't want to choose Christ. It's like walking on eggshells, egg man. That's what wow. convicted me. Well, that's the, I mean, truthfully, the people that are in the most toil and the most, yuck, are the people that know what they're doing is wrong and they continue to do it. You know, for the people that, it doesn't make it any more right, the people that don't really know what they're doing is wrong, you know, say someone that grew up, atheist whatever you know when they grow up yes what they're doing is the exact same amount of wrongness 
but the way they feel is actually not near as bad as someone that actually knows better. Someone that knows better, it's like you feel the worst because you had a taste of God. You kind of have a knowledge of God. You have an understanding of, oh, this is wrong. This isn't good. And then you continue in that and you're just stuck and it feels awful. Um, Mm. It's just the worst way to be Uh, lukewarm. I mean, it's pretty much what it is. I have a thought, and it, this is not my thought. I don't know if it's from a sermon from a friend of mine. If you know who it is, feel free to tag them or do something with them. But uh, someone told me that like a lot of people are happy that are atheists. A lot of people are happy that they don't know Christ. So why up in this happiness? Why up in my whole life to be to suffer, to repent, to go like to struggle through this idea of following Christ? But the idea is that. People who don't know Jesus, like they are happy, right? Like, let's just be honest. Sin is fun. What Absolutely. me and you used to do, sin is fun. It was, it, it wouldn't be attractive oh, well, if it a, wasn't. I have an illustration right now that go, go I, do don't, it. I don't know where it came from, honestly, but. Holy Spirit. Uh, do it. So the, uh, so I, someone told me this illustration. I was like, you know, if someone's about to um, get hit by a truck, like, what are you going to do? Just kind of whisper to him and be like, hey, you know, what you're doing is not very okay. Or you're going to be like, hey, man, what you're doing is not okay. Like, we got to go. Mm. But but it made me think, and I was like, it's not that simple. It's not, it's not as simple as that. It would be more like if they were standing on the side of the road and there was an ice cream, little little ice cream place right there. And, and you're like they're just sitting right there and the car, the truck's coming. They're consuming their ice cream and they're happy as can be They're They're completely yeah. fine. And you see it coming. You're like, Oh my God. There's a reason they're in the road about to get hit by the bus. Exactly. And it's because there's something drawing them out. And it's exactly. that. Exactly. I like they're, that a lot. Stuck in that. And you, you know, you gotta be like, Hey, that ice cream is not worth this. This is not, this isn't this, this stuff is not worth it, bro. You gotta, you gotta go. I see the, I see the truck coming. We, we gotta get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that just really made me, that really made me think, um, you know, to understand and, um, because that's, you know, that is kind of a good, another, uh, like also a good illustration of how, how, uh, our view is, we, we lack the peripheral view whenever we're walking in sin or stuck. You know, you have, once you're, once you're in walking with Jesus, then you have this, you, you're able to see and you're like, oh man, what is going on here? This is not good. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I see, I see this coming, you know, for that person. Like, I need you, you know, I want you to t- turn from this. Come, come with me. You know, this is, yeah. you're, about to, you're about to be in big trouble, dude. You know, so so, dude, that was good. And kind of going off of that, why would we turn? Like that ice cream looks so good. But for somebody who is living in sin but doesn't know there's Christ, they think that's they think that that's the the highest form of life, right? So if somebody's living in sin, living in uh, doing bad, it doesn't even have to be bad things. It can just be, I mean, going to work, you're nine to five, but you're still a sinner, right? They think that this is what life is about. This is the highest life can get. So they are happy because that's all they know. But imagine there's something up here, right? That there is more to life. There is more satisfaction. There is purpose found in Jesus, but they just don't know that that is there. It's not that, 
oh my gosh, this is such an easy decision. Like, obviously, once you know, you're like, okay, that's easy. Like, obviously, that's correct. Obviously, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except Him because this may, like, I, I now have received this message of yep. salvation. Yep. But for somebody who doesn't know, it's because they just have no idea. They have never heard the gospel, so they just don't know that there's more to life. And that's, I mean, this is talking about another topic, but like, that's why we are called to evangelize because why people don't know like they're living this life they think this is the all life is yeah i mean so many people go throughout their day and they don't take one like one second not one second to to think about something that might be more they they're just you know it's just toil just 24 7 i'm going to do this this you know because you know one of the biggest things i feel like is so prevalent also in america right now more than other countries is we can stay busy. We can just stay busy and stay busy and not, and we can stay and hide from all of it. You know, that's, that's why you see in a lot of foreign countries, you know, they will, they, re, they believe in something. And a lot of times it's not good what they believe in, but they have, you know, they, they have, they have, and they, they have time, you know, to, to really experience their, you know, religion, whatever it is. Um, because that might be all they have. You know, if that's mm. all you have is, is that, then that's kind of what they put their hope in. Mm. And, uh, obviously that can be completely twisted, but it also allows people to really take time to think about there might be more, you know, there might be more of this when we can literally mm. right now in America, you know, um, especially like for someone like me or other people that we've been really blessed to have, um, good money and grown up you know, with all these opportunities, we can literally just go from opportunity to opportunity from one goal to the next goal and never think about God and, and mm. just be okay with that or think we're okay with that, you know? Um, no, I like that a lot. So, um, this idea of, I mean, that, that last question we were on, what is assurance kind of branched out into a big conversation. Um, yeah, but kind of getting back to it, uh, what is assurance this we kind of started off by saying like it seems like a heavy topic because it seems like there's a lot required of us like you have to repent you have to confess but ultimately that's why brain read first john i forgot the verse is because he is faithful it's our job to take the first step it's our job to jump off the cliff but he's the one going to catch us and he is faithful to catch us and in john 28 Oh, I'm sorry, John 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. No one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. It's our job to place our faith in Jesus, to repent. It's an act of faith. It is a leap of faith so to say you feel vulnerable you're you're no longer grasping for things to cover you up instead of doing it yourself you're jumping off the cliff and saying jesus catch me that takes an act of faith but he will catch you yeah no it's a it's a promise it's not it's not a if it's a promise yeah and it's actually to believe that he won't is actually wrong to think that he Mm. won't forgive you is really twisted and it's actually really wrong um, and that's something that I've actually walked in before. And it's um, to me, it's sin to to disbelieve in God and his grace. 
Um, Definitely. So, you know, once you repent, you have to trust God. You know, it says, you know, that's why it says repent and believe, you know, because you have to trust him also to forgive what you've done. And once you understand mm. the gravity of it, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's so much. Look what I've done. But you have to mm. believe in God that he is everlasting, that he died on the cross for your sins. He died for every one of them. And once you turn from that, that's a promise. They will, those would be taken. That's a promise. And you you don't have to be worried about it anymore. You can walk in freedom. No, that's fire. I think I think that's a good place to end. And where we're going to leave you with is the tangible thing you could take for this is there is something required of you. You are required to believe. It's in your The ball is in your court. Me and Brayden can't believe for you. Jesus can't believe for you. God can't believe for you. It's a, it's your choice, but he is faithful that when you make that choice, he will receive you. It is a promise, like Brayden said. 100%. Um, so there is assurance in that. But that was Repent and Believe, the first episode of the 12-week series. We're going to do Commands of Christ. Next week, we're going to talk about baptism. And honestly, baptism can be an idea that we definitely overlook. We definitely like don't see the power in it, the gravity in it. But in Acts 36 through 47, it is an intangible, or I'm sorry, tangible uh, part. It is a part of what the church did. So there's importance in it. So we need to talk about it and understand the power of what baptism is. So that's next week. And we appreciate y'all. God bless everybody.